a series called Look and See. Would you turn to the person next to you and say, Look and See. Yeah, come on, you can do better than that. Say, Look and See. And so my wife was so great. Didn't she do a great job ministering to you last week? Thank you, baby. And so we... Uh, so we, you know, I, I had to stay at home. I, I'm on so much medication. I told the first service, if I fall down, it's not the glory. It's hydrocodone is what that is. Don't break into my house and steal it, all you ex-crackheads. <laughs> and, uh, Pastor, we want to come by and bless you. Where's he hiding it? <laughs> but, um, but the Lord has been gracious. And, you know, my doctor, he's, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's a funny dude. He's got... He, he doesn't talk a whole lot, and uh, I, I told him, he, I told some of my friends, he's like Sheldon on uh, Big Bang Theory, and, uh, and so I asked him, I said, bro, I got to be able to preach this coming Sunday. You think I'm going to be all right? He goes, well, what kind of church are you guys? He said, uh, if you guys are kind of Pentecostal stuff, I wouldn't suggest it if that's how you preach. I said, well, I, I'm not really sure what we are in reference to that, but... He said, well, let me just tell you, you better stay close to the pulpit so you don't fall down. So I'm, I'm, this is my little region today, but I, you know me, I'll probably break out of it. But we're in this series called Look Again, and it's so important to me, as the Lord spoke to me in, in November about this message, that you and I would start the year, instead of trying to make New Year's resolutions, that we would look and see what God has for us. And I explained it our first service of this series That New Year's resolutions, what happens is you and I look in the mirror and we see everything about us that we don't like. I need to pray more. I need to be nicer to my wife. My God, I'm fat. I mean, we start looking through all these things. We start, and literally, when you make New Year's resolutions, what you're trying to do is you're trying to fix yourself. Well, if you could have fixed yourself, we wouldn't have needed a Savior. We wouldn't have needed the Holy Spirit. The Ten Commandments could have worked, and we could have lived by them and fixed ourselves, but we couldn't. And the Lord proved that to us, and then he came and dwelt amongst us, and he set an example, and then he filled us with his Holy Spirit so that we could become like him. And so what we did as an illustration is we gave everybody these little, uh, these little, uh, uh, what are these? Help me. Binocular, thank you. Uh, there are things missing in my mind right now, I just promise you. And so we gave you these little cardboard binoculars. And the reason why we did them like that is because I want you to be able to write on them. So as the Lord speaks to you about how he wants you, what he wants you to become this year, that you would see what God has for you instead of what the mirror has for you. That you would see not your weaknesses and your shortcomings and how in the flesh you can make yourself better. See, the flesh never makes the flesh better. Planning to... To kill the flesh is what the Bible calls us to do. But when you and I walk by the Spirit, or we see what God sees for us, and we can see it through His eyes, through His binoculars, we draw up close by looking through the binoculars to see what God has for us. And I want you to know God has a plan for each and every one of you. And I'm not talking about old school, uh, you know, charismatic, God has a plan for you. I'm talking about God has planned your life. And he has a look for you and a way about you. And everything about you yields itself to what he wants. He doesn't want to throw the old you out so that he, could, he can do away with you. Everything about you. Listen, just because I got saved didn't mean I forgot how to roll a joint. Come on, somebody. It just meant that I didn't have that desire anymore. 
And, and so developing not into the best that Adam McCain can be, but becoming what Jesus wants me to be. That's the goal. And so as we're going into 2016, we're taking the whole month. We've been fasting. How many of you guys are finishing up your fast with us this week? Isn't this awesome? I'm so proud of you fasting. And, and God's just been doing miracles through our fast. But our goal is to open our spiritual eyes and see what God sees. And, to, and then make little plans. We're just writing down little keywords. Like I wrote uh, last week, Miss Jamie was preaching. I was watching it on video. Uh, uh, and our video podcast, which we're about to start doing, uh, we'll go live here in the next week or so. But right now, we're just simply testing it out. And so I was kind of the, 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 the test pig, you know, or whatever you call that. And I was watching, and she preached so good. But at the whole time she was preaching, I wrote down right here, I want to see miracles every day. And I want the spiritual me, I want my words to bring life. That's what I wrote on mine. I want my words to bring life, because sometimes my words don't bring life. I know I do that. And so that was, that's what, Lord, I think that's who you have for me to be. I think that's what I see through the binoculars as I see what Jesus' plan is for me. And so what I've learned over the years is I don't want to become the best Adam McCain. I want Adam McCain to become like Jesus. And so I'll, I'll kind of illustrate that. So here, look at this amazing picture. Now, see, isn't that a sexy man right there? Look at that. Boy, that almost looks like Matthew McConaughey. Watch yourself. I'm going to the movies. I'm his mini me. <laughs> and, so, and so that's Adam McCain. That's a good looking guy. And that's the very best that I can ever be. I don't want to be a better Adam McCain. I want to start becoming more like Jesus. And so I just start merging. Look at that. A little bit more every day. A little bit more. Look, bam. Until one day, that's what you see. And so, and so to be a better Adam McCain is still a man of the flesh. Are you with me? To be a better Susie Q, you don't want to be a better Susie. You don't want to be a better John. You want to be Jesus. You want to become like Jesus. And let me tell you something. You're not going to do that in your own strength. And so surrendering ourselves to the Lord and saying, Lord, I want to be a better husband. And you go through all these trainings and classes and you learn what good husbands do. Well, then all that creates for you is you start comparing yourself to what they say a good husband is. What you want to do is say, Lord, show me what I'm supposed to look like. My background, I came out of the gangs or I came out of this type of life or single parent life for good parents, but they never, they never even interacted. Lord, that's in me. That's in my DNA. Turn me into you. Take that DNA until it starts looking like Jesus. That's what we want to become. And so that's what this series is all about. Look and see what Jesus sees about you, what he has determined that he wants you to become so that, that you won't be railroaded by constantly looking in the mirror and trying to fix yourself within yourself, and, which, is, which never works. Because think about it. How many New Year's resolution, those of us that have a little bit of, a little bit of, you know, pavement under, under the tires. How, how many times have we said all these things we were going to change, and at the end of the year, we realize, well, I didn't change it, so I might as well make it worse, you know? And we get back to the first year, I'm going to change it, I'm going to change it. We cannot change ourselves, but the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives can make us look like Jesus. Come on, put Jesus back up there. I want to look like Jesus. I, that's who I want to look like. I don't want to look like, I don't want to look like Adam. I want to look like Jesus, because if it was like Adam, the very best you're going to get out of me is a punch in the face when you do me dirty. But if I'm like Jesus and I start becoming like him, then I can do what he says to do when he says, and love your enemies. And pray for those who despitefully use you and abuse you. How do I do that? i got to become like him. But i got to see that as myself being like that. And so today, as we jump into the word of God, I'm going to open with a key scripture. But I want to pray over you first. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to share your word. And may, Lord, every man and woman in this room, Lord God, be strengthened by it. 
Lord, for when I am weak, you are strong. And so, Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to be weak so that you can be strong. May your word touch the hearts and lives of every man and woman that hears this, even by way of video podcast. In Jesus' name, and everybody shouted, amen. Our key scripture is Matthew chapter 18 and verse 19. So as we're in this look and see series, last week, Miss Jamie talked about the spiritual you, that you and I start becoming the spiritual you that God has for us, that we see that. But today I want to talk to you about the relational you that God has for you. That you would become the relational Jesus-like person that you're supposed to be. What was Jesus like? How was he relational? And how can he take you and cause you to become like him as far as relationships go? So our key scripture is Matthew 18 and verse 19 and 20. It says, again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there am I with them. Or as King James used to say, there I will be with them. So where two or three come together. Now, as Jesus is speaking this, this is his actual words here in the book of Matthew. What he's referring to is, um, is, is, is a biblical process of the way they interacted and dealt with people um, who had done things that were wrong. In Bible times, and in, based on what God had set up in biblical government, when a person was accused of doing something, let's say you stabbed your sister to death, what would happen is you would be brought in front of the council of decision makers, that council of elders. And what would happen was two to three witnesses had to stand there and bring accusation against you. And they had to be those who saw it, experienced it. You could not be sentenced by one witness. One person said, yeah, I was there. It happened right there in front of me. And, and, and I, you know, I, I'm the only one who knows about it. They could not be sentenced on one witness. They had to have two to three witnesses. And so those two to three witnesses would stand there and say, yes, I watched him kill his sister. I heard the screams. I was next door. I didn't see him stand, but I came walking up as he was running out with a knife in his hand. I saw that. He turned and looked at me. And then they would then be sentenced, and many times with capital punishment, an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. And they would, they would be punished. And if they were punished to death, for example, they were going to be killed because they had killed, and they had killed with meditation to do it, then what would happen was the persons who brought witness against them had to stand there with the rock and throw the first stone. They had to participate in the, 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 um, the, the punishment that was brought forth because they were the ones who witnessed it and stood there and declared they did wrong. Wow, how about that for a truth? That if we took the people who were falsely accusing you and made them be a part of the process of punishment, they would then become responsible for the whole process. And as a result, they would feel the the heaviness of that and probably be a little bit more graceful. Come on, somebody. And so what happened in biblical times is those persons then had to have two to three witnesses. It could not be established. And then we get in the New Testament, and the Bible says it like this. If you have a, a, a disagreement or you have a problem with a leader, a spiritual leader, a pastor, or a leader, someone like that, you cannot bring accusation against them without two or three witnesses. It's because that's what was established in the Old Testament. You can't just sit around talking bad about them. What you got to do is say, all right, if that's truth and something needs to change, then you and the two or three other people who've had that same experience need to go and present that properly. And that's where we see the breakdown. We just have people gossip about, it ain't my problem, whatever. I don't care. I'm just leaving and going somewhere else. And so that's the breakdown that you have in what you call Christian government and the workings of the body of believers and the family of God moving forward. And so when Jesus brings this passage out and he's talking literally about the power of God at work in our lives, he says, again, I tell you, if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask, it will be done. You missed that. If two of you 
will come into agreement about anything on earth. It will be done. My father will pause heaven and do supernatural things for those of you who come into agreement. And then he continues on and he says, together, where two or three are gathered together in my name. So let me put you in perspective. And the reason why you're not seeing miracles in your life and the reason why you're having hardship, it's because you don't come into agreement with those that you are together with. I'm going to break this down for you. So if two or three witnesses had to be the ones to determine that that person had done that for discipline's sake and therefore be a part of the disciplinary process, what Jesus is saying is saying, listen, if all hell comes against you, if you will gather with two or three witnesses, they will come together and stand beside you. And in that agreement, God will come down. The Father will come down and do a miracle on your behalf. And this is the breakdown because you don't understand the body of believers. This is not church. A meeting, a building is not church. We're being the church. The church is you and me in togetherness. And when we're in togetherness, then we can bring forth agreement. So let me explain to you why people are claiming the scripture out of context. Oh, brother, I just agree with you right now. You don't even know me. How can you agree with me? I can't tell you how many times I've had people ask me to pray. Pastor, I want you to pray that my wife would get delivered. And I'm looking at them like, dude, I don't even know you. You might be the problem. Maybe your wife getting delivered is not the prayer that needs to be prayed. Maybe it's you coming out of your pride and loving her as Christ loves the church is as much of the problem as the fact that she's flirting around with a guy at work. Maybe, so, I, so if, I, if I try to come into an agreement with somebody that I'm not together with, come on, stay with me. We, that's why we have a breakdown in the answers to prayers that we want. And the, because the body of Christ is supposed to be attached, every ligament, every piece, the kidney connected in, and, 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 and every piece of the liver and all of those pieces working together as they're connecting in, then they support one another. The blood flows through this organ, going to this organ, bringing life to that one. When this one's hurt, they all surround it, encapsulate it, and bring strength to it. Come on, somebody. This is what the body of Christ is. It's not coming to church and hearing a message. It's not listening to your favorite preacher on podcast. You're not being together. And so at this church, the reason why we do small groups and we have CSTs is because we're trying to help you come out of your old, horrible mentality of I just go and hear a message and I get blessed and someone prays for me to the place where you come together. Because it's in the togetherness that we can have agreement. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. And so what he's saying here is, listen, if any of you two come together in agreement and you ask for something, my Father's going to move heaven and earth and give it to you. That's powerful. That's powerful. But here, here's the thing. Let's go back to the legal situation in the Old Testament. So if I stand there and say, I saw him stab her, and this one goes, hey, look, I was in the same room, and that did not happen. That's not at all what happened. She reached out and began to hit him in the back of the head with a camera. And he just turned around because he was sharpening something, and he accidentally hit her. Well, no, 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 I saw, we don't have agreement, so therefore we cannot have punishment. We can't have direction. Are you with me? We have to have agreement. So here's the problem. People don't want to come together because if you come together, then everybody understands what's really happening in your life. And so you stand there and say, brother, just pray for me. I'm just going through a hard time. You know, my boss ain't treating me right at work. Well, you know what? I've been walking with you for about six months now. And the truth of the matter is, I don't think you go to work on time. 
So I'm not praying that with you, and I love you, but I don't agree with that. But when we come together and say, guys, y'all pray for my son. Y'all know me, man. I've tried my darndest. You have, bro. You have. You've been doing your best on that thing. And you prayed, and you've been doing right. You've been loving him, and you've not, you've not pushed him too far. You're right. We will come into agreement with that, and the supernatural comes. That's the breakdown. And so then the backup spot for the body of Christ is that we've got to come together, right? Anyway, so, and so to prove my point even further is if we look at the life of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, comes down and he comes together with people. Now that blows my mind. If you stop and think about it, if you're God and you want to get everybody's attention, why would you plant yourself amongst a few relationships in a city called Galilee, in an area called, a region called Galilee, it's not the cool region, it's not, the, it's not New York City, it'd be like Cedar Hill. It's not where all the famous people go and abide. It's not where all the rich people live. It's not where all the, the best Christian thinkers and philosophers, and it's not where all the theologians are at. Why would you take on the relationship with 12 knotheads? Why would you not set up a kingdom? Why would you not build? In a moment, you could have woke up the next morning and Jesus has come to earth and he built this amazing mansion. <laughs> Go. You're like, oh my God, did you see it? Did you see it? Helicopter. Today, resurrected overnight, the King of kings and the Lord of lords has put his temple here on earth. He's wait. He's coming out to speak to us. Roll camera, roll camera, camera four, camera seven. Right now, I am here to proclaim that I am God. You've not served me. Now listen to my words. Why didn't he do that? Why did he come and just start hanging out with people? Because he's a God of relationships. In fact, the Bible calls it the great commandment. When they approach Jesus and they say, hey, of all the commandments, what's the most important? He says, you know what? Okay. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Okay, great. And the second is just, as, is just as powerful. Love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. This is, this is what Christianity, I can sum it up in two thoughts. Love God, love people. It's amazing how many people tell me, man, I love God, but boy, I can't stand people. I hate to go to church. The church this, the church that, the church this, the church that. Listen, the church is just people. Just people. The critical component to the supernatural at work in your life is agreement. And agreement only comes in togetherness. And where two or more are gathered together in my name, I'll be in the middle of that. Where there's togetherment, where there is unity, where there's that working of relationships that's hard at times. I don't know about you, but sometimes, forgive my Christian cursing, but sometimes relationships suck. They're just tough. I mean, you know, you have this expectation, I have this expectation. You think this is valuable, I think it's valuable, but it's not that valuable. You're mad that I don't value it the same way you value it. You're mad that you thought I was supposed to do this, because this is what it means to be in good relationship. I'm mad because I can't really do that, and I think you should see it my way. But you And working that all out in the love of Christ is the key component to the supernatural. For where there is agreement, I will come and do supernatural things. My Father will hear from heaven and answer it. That's why 
I don't have a problem with it. I think God can bless it as well. But that's why it's a foolish concept to think, you know what? Oh, I see this minister on TV and he's got a prayer line. I'm going to call up and I'm going to ask them to pray for me. And they'll pray for me when I give them a hundred dollar donation. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's just not the same power as, hey, I know you. We do life together. I got you, bro. I'm praying over this with you, man. I know what you're going through. I see the pain you're suffering in. I get it. And I'm not letting you down. I'm with you. you. I'm calling you tonight right after that meeting with your wife. I'm calling you today right after work. We're going to be there in that. It's a lot different. Hallelujah. Thank, Lord, we just thank you for this person I don't really know, but I thank you for their pledge because our ministry really needs it. And we just pray right now. It's a whole different ball game. The supernatural, according to what we just read, comes in the midst of agreement, which is only because of togetherness and working together and being the body of believers. Isn't that good? So Jesus comes. And he does that. That's what he models in front of him. He takes these 12 knotheads and he does life with them. Why would he do that? They're dummies. There are multiple moments where he looks at them and then he looks up in heaven and he goes, how long must I tarry with these idiots? Come on, you've never said that about your spouse or your parents. Oh God, why didn't I get to choose my parents? It's what you've been given life to do. Suffer through. <laughs> and here we see that Jesus comes and he work, walks among them. He lives them. Think about this. They're, he's not just preaching to them and then going hiding out in his holy place. He's not distant from the needs of the people, the Bible says. He was, he was acquainted with their suffering. He was acquainted with the difficulties of life. He came up amidst them. And that's why I had such a hard time as I grew up in ministry to watch these guys teach me as a pastor. Literally teach me, hey, you've got to be distanced from the people. Because if they get too close to you, they'll start disrespecting you. I said, well, that's not what Jesus did. But they'll see your weaknesses and they won't be able to handle it. Well, I'll definitely have those. But how about I just be real about my weaknesses and those who love me love me and those who don't don't. I'll be happy with that. And that's, Jesus just lived amongst them. Can you imagine? Listen, I want you to get a picture of this. He could have isolated himself, came out, gave him the word every day. Now go and do these things and went back into prayer. He could have done that. He could have lived this life where he floated around, you know, like the Dalai Lama everywhere. Oh, and the people came and learned wisdom from him. But he didn't. He walked them. He had to find places for them all to sleep. He had to organize food campaigns. You try to feed 12 kids. I mean, there's, it's, I mean and, and not only that, but they didn't have a house. They didn't have a touring bus. They have a place of comfort. They're going from person's living room to their back bedrooms, and they're all sleeping on the floor. Can you imagine? We're talking about 12 dudes. You know they're passing gas on him half the time. You know, listen, this is 12 dudes, man. You know. And listen, ladies, don't you ever let guys say you're emotional. I've watched men, have the men I know are like up and down emotionally. One day they're so nice, man, praise the Lord, brother. The next thing they're like, man, I tell you, life sucks. It's like, dude, get a grip. They're emotional, they're up and down, and Jesus is having to deal with it. Why? Because there's power in the relationship. A vision, prayer, and desire for you is you, you stop isolating yourself and you come and connect with the body of believers. Some of you can look back at the tragedy that happened in high school. Some of you went to jail in your young adult life because of the people that you ran with. Some of you, even today, the moment something bad happens, you call Aunt So-and-so because she listened. But she's so negative. And her counsel to you is not wise counsel. What you need is connect together with the body of believers. 
You need some Christian folks in your life that when you start saying, you know what? I just don't think he's worth it anymore. In fact, listen, my buddy from, my, my girlfriend's from high school, she just left her husband, got, him, got her a whole new brand new model. It's awesome. And I think I ought to trade this one in and get me a new one too. What do you think? And, 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 and if it's your old friends who don't know Jesus, they're like, yeah, I would. Why not? Yeah, he's never been good. He's never no good. I, I never thought you should. You get around some good Christian folks and they say, oh, baby, come here, look. Oh, just stay with him. Let me tell you something. Why you want to retrain one anyway? Look, it took me 40 years to get Bob to this place. Yeah, he ugly as all get out, but he comes home every day like he's supposed to. And, and boy, he cooks a mean steak once a month, you know. And look, I don't have to pick up from him too much. That's the kind of people you got to get with and be together with so that when you have a need and a problem, they know you and agreement can bring supernatural power. Are you with me? Amen. And so, you know, I, I thought, how can I illustrate this the best for you? And I just, relationships are not easy. They're very difficult. And so I've got a spiritual daughter that's been with me for years. And so I thought, you know what? I want to I be able to, uh, I want to I interview her. And she's not, she's not real comfortable, like, pulling her up on stage and talking. So this week, you know, we were kind of hanging out in Google Hangouts. And so we just had a quick uh, testimonial conversation about her life. And, uh, and so we recorded it, and I want to play it for you now. So this is Miss Casey Coker, who you know and love. I am, uh, well, it's Wednesday night, and I'm in Google Hangouts with my friend Casey Coker. Miss Casey Coker. Casey Coker and Miss Jamie and I go back almost 20 years or more now. Uh, Casey uh, was a young adult in our ministry back in Louisiana. And, uh, you know, we're on this topic about um, the relational you and seeing what God sees for you, not what you see in the mirror, but what God uh, sees that you can be and what he wants you to become. And I thought nobody better than Miss Casey Coker and her testimony. And uh, you know her as the vibrant outgoing, amazing, sweet, kind, amazing woman of God that runs the uh, Dockside Cafe or the uh, coffee shop at church. Yeah. Uh, but that's not always been who she's she's been, and God's done a great work. And Casey, you grew up in a family that was real relational, but high school and junior mm-hmm. high wasn't like that for you. Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, no, uh, nope, not like that at all. <laughs> um, I was in school, especially middle school, um, maybe elementary too. I did not fit in with people. Um, I <clears throat> just always kind of fell in between or just, you know, just never really had that, that click, you know, that friendship hit click. And uh, I even had kids come up to me or one person in particular come up to me and said she couldn't hang out with me anymore or be friends with me because somebody else didn't like me and I've had dog poop put down my shirt and just different things like that so um so yeah so just you know experiencing different things and teasing and stuff like that and in school just kind of caused me to get a little bit not a little but very withdrawn (laughs) in some situations and everything and so um so yeah that was high school (laughs) and you brought that into adulthood, you know. I remember uh, when you moved here with us and was helping in the ministry and you were working. And, and, you, and I'll never forget somewhere in your late 20s, you were like, okay, where, God, are you? Why am I not married? And this sucks and I hate life and I have no friends and everybody's going, y'all are all getting married and going out and doing stuff. And I'm sitting at home by myself with nothing to do. And, and then just something clicked. And I want you to tell, tell us about that. 
Yeah, I just I found myself uh, at that time just, you know, all my friends were getting married and everything like that, and I found myself saying, oh, well, when I get married, I'll do this. Oh, when I get married, we'll go this and, you know, do all these kind of things. And uh, just, you know, one morning I just woke up and I'm like, uh, God hasn't said yet I'm going to be married. And so I'm not going to put my life on hold anymore to do all these wonderful, fabulous things that I've, that I've dreamt about doing. So, um, so yeah, so one day I just kind of, uh, stopped waiting and started living, and I started going out and I traveled and um, <clears throat> and met new people and and just done different things. Every, uh, just a lot of things that I've always wanted to to do. Um, and yeah. it's been really great and exciting. I really watched you say, okay, you know, I'm going to grab anybody in Church on the Hill that'll be friend with me, and we're <laughs> just going to go hang out. We're going to go out to eat, and we're going to have fun. And and yeah. I really watched you do that. And then you know. Uh, I guess it's been, what, almost a year and a half now, we got the new building, and I came to you and I said, Casey, I need you, I need you to be Mama Casey and take over and start a CST, which is Celebration Service Team, and, uh, and I need you to run a cafe, build a team, and I was, I was like, oh God, please let her say yes. <laughs> like, Pastor Adam, I'll only do it for you. And you exactly what I thought, too. <laughs> and you've done that, and, and it's been amazing. I want you to talk about that even bonding relationally with people that, you know, you, you, you weren't always good with new people. No. And you, you become great at that. Talk about that. Yeah, I, um, yeah, when you asked me to do the Cafe CSD, I'm like, what in the world? Uh, I never had any experience working in a coffee shop or anything like that. So, but, you know, I'm like, why not? Let's do it. So I did, and through, uh, overseeing the cafe I've met and become friends with some amazing people in Church on the Hill and it's people that I probably would not have walked up to or introduced myself to before and um, because we're just in different different seasons or walks in life and everything so it's just not anybody I would have thought to to kind of approach or anything like that and uh, it's just God has blessed uh, I think everybody in the cafe uh, with you know, just amazing friendships and relationships, and um, it's it's just been really great and a lot of fun. It's you know just you know like I said, just the different people that that um, that just come up, whether it's people you know working in the cafe or just uh, customers that come up and, and um, order drinks or, or or muffins or whatever. Just interacting with them, it's just it's been amazing. It's been a really good tool that uh, that we've had to just meet new people and just make new friends. It's, it's really awesome. Today, at the end of service, I'm going to challenge everyone in the church to, uh, to, to start some relationships by connecting with our CSTs, our Celebration Service Team. And they've got tables all around the audience, uh, all around the sanctuary now. And uh, so why don't you, you're on video right now, do a shameless <laughs> plug on why the cafe is the best CST they could ever come be a part of. Oh, wow. Because of uh, just the people that, that uh, volunteer in the cafe, you get a free coffee drink every Sunday that you work. Uh, and like coffee, and you can have something else free. <laughs> uh, but just really, just the interaction, and just you know, we just have fun. We we get creative with baking drinks. You just you just have to be there to see it. It's it's awesome. And you and you, and you get to give ice cream to little kids at the end of service. Yes, we get to give ice cream to the little kids, and that's the most fantastic thing that we do. They love uh, it. And always wanted to be the ice cream. Yeah. 
Yes. Hanging out with Casey Coker at Google's Hangout. Thank you, Casey. Love you. Yeah, Love you come too, on. Give it up for Miss Casey you Coker. <laughs> you guys are so awesome. One of the things that was so important to me to have Casey's testimony because uh, Casey was, is, uh, was for a season in there the quintessential uh, uh, person who uh, did not uh, do well with starting new relationships. Uh, she, she had years of rejection to fight through. Um, she had uh, many failed attempts uh, to uh, overcome the thought of going back to that. But I want to see miracles in all of your lives. I've seen miracles in Casey's life. I mean, she's that smiling, sweet person when you go to get coffee who makes you laugh. And she wasn't that person years ago. She was the person who was withdrawn and was mad that nobody was reaching out to her to make her life better. And I want you to know the key component to what you're believing God for is when we do what the scripture says, we come together and then have agreement and then the supernatural comes. So the picture here is the picture of you and I not becoming better, more like an Adam McCain, but becoming like Jesus. Look at that picture of Jesus. There you go. Wow. I feel calcified all of a sudden. <clears throat> so I want to give you a couple steps, if you don't mind. I'll give you a couple steps. Write these down. Steps to becoming the Jesus-like relational me. That's what this is. So how do I become the Jesus-like relational me that I'm supposed to be? I'll give you a couple thoughts. Number one, you need to make a decision to become the Jesus relational you. You need to make a decision. A indecision is a decision. You need to make... Casey Coker woke up one day and made a decision and said, you know what? I'm not waiting for a man to come along before I begin to have these life experiences. I'm not waiting till somebody promotes me to start being a relational person. I'm going to find people in our church and I'm going to interact with them and say, hey, you want to go out to eat? I saw her. She just started loading people up in her car. People I would have never thought. She, I was like, Casey, you became friends with someone? Yeah, we were talking after church and she didn't have nothing to do, so we went and had lunch. I was like, that's amazing. Wow. And she, she fought through. She made the decision. You and I need to make a decision. I'm going to be relational. I'm going to be better. I'm going to become who Jesus wants me to be. I'm going to befriend some people in this church. I'm not going to live out there like an island and somehow try to figure out why things aren't working for me. Connect in the body. Come together. Bring agreement when difficulty's there. And the supernatural power will come. That's what we got. But you've got to make the decision. Are you with me? Say yes. yes. Come on, you can do better than say yes. Yes. And my prayer has been that you would start seeing yourself, that you would see through the binoculars the Jesus you, and you would start seeing yourself literally, that you would start seeing yourself hanging out with groups of people from this church, laughing, talking, talking at going to your favorite restaurant, experiencing God together, telling stories about, you know, how you threw up one time at a restaurant, it was coming out your nose, and laughing about that kind of stuff, and how you almost murdered your kid one time because they embarrassed you in front of somebody important, telling those stories, doing life, seeing you laugh. We have friends now, and those people, you're calling them, you know, right before you go into an interview and saying, listen, pray now. I'm going, oh, we're praying for you, and they're calling you as soon as you're done. How did it go? Oh, I got that one, man. I nailed that interview. I'm the man. And you have this interaction going forth, and they're hitting you up on Facebook. Oh, how's it going over there with your your new job? Oh, it's kind of tough this week. Pray for me. Oh, I'm praying for you. And next thing you know, you get a little cookie bouquet at work because somebody in your small group, somebody in your life here at church loves you and is thinking about you. Come on. That's the vision that I have for you. But I didn't, I didn't come up with that. That's what Jesus has. That's the relational you. And you need to make a decision now, right here, right now. I'm going to come together with some folks. 
I'm going to befriend some folks. You say, oh, I got my friends from my, from my old church. You know, they go over here and they go over there. And da, da, da. No, no, no. You need something in this body. Togetherness moving forward in this body. You need relationships here. Not from the past, friendships from school and all that. You need friendships here. This is what the scriptures are talking about. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse 9 through 13. I'm going to read it quick. This is just a good, all throughout the New Testament we see, I just grabbed one quickly that means so much to me. It just always challenging the body of Christ to love one another and be friends. It says, love must be sincere. Romans 12, 9. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. See, when I'm having my spiritual fervor and you're having a bad day, but we're in a relationship, we come over to small group together, or we serve welcoming people up front, and, we, and I just didn't even want to come this morning, but I got there, and you prayed up, and you have that moment where you're really on fire, that starts, that starts lighting my fire. That's what this is talking about. Keep your spiritual fervor. Be devoted to one another, because literally, as you keep your spiritual fervor, you're going to set this guy's spiritual fervor on fire, and before you know it, we're all moving forward together instead of you being out there by yourself, can't figure out why I'm in such pain. It's because you've isolated yourself. You hadn't come together. Are you there? Say yes. And it says, and be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, share with God's people who are in need, and practice hospitality. Jamie and I, you know, we're, Jamie and I are both only children. So when the scripture tells us to practice hospitality, I'm like you. I'm like, man, I don't want people in my home. You know, small group. I don't want people, man, they're going to see my stuff. And I'm an only child. My stuff is my stuff. You don't get access to my stuff. It's my stuff. I don't share. And, and so I'll never forget when God really started challenging us to be hospitable. And uh, it actually marks that as a key component to be a leader in the body of believers, that they would be hospitable, First, uh, First Timothy chapter 3. And so Jamie and I, I'll never forget, we had about 100, we were youth pastors at a real large ministry. We had 125 student-led small groups. It's about 1,000 kids in small groups. Well, we only knew the core leadership, those that were on staff with us and those that were just under them. We didn't know all the other kids. And I'll never forget when we were praying and the Lord spoke to us, open up your home and have every small group come to your home for dinner on a Tuesday night. It took us, we'd have to combine two and three small groups to be able to get them all through in a year to come through our home. So we said, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. And so we opened up our home. Man, these kids would come in. They were like, the pastor let us come in his house. Wow. They're like, dude, it's just a little dinky house. Who cares? And Jamie cooked spaghetti for them, big old pots of spaghetti. And we didn't preach to them. We just laughed. We told stories. They told us about themselves. There'd be 30 kids crammed in my living room. They destroyed everything. They destroyed the carpet. They knocked down all the pictures. Come on, somebody. They filled up the toilet with more and just destroy I me. Mean, I had to call a plumber every month. I mean, those they backed into every tree on our property. Come on now. They knocked down the mailbox. They got stuck in the ditch. None of them chokers could drive. I still don't know how we survived that. And I said, we look back. Jamie and I were talking the other day. We look back. That was the greatest time. It was so much fun. Because why? Because we were building relationships with people that we didn't really have. It was fun and exciting. And yes, they made me mad. And yes, I wanted to stab them in the throat every Tuesday night. But it was worth it. It was worth it. Make the decision. Make the decision. It's worth it. Number two, break the loser loop. You need to break the loser loop. The cycle of problems in your life, they're constant every year. Last year, in January 2014, you were praying about the same problem you're praying about now. 2013, 
It was a different problem, but the same problem. It's the loser loop that we get in. We don't even know. We come back around, come back to the same problem. And it's a loser loop. And it's like you can't get out of it. You're like, I pray. I give money to the church. I go once a year. What's the problem? The problem is, is that you're not tied in relationally to the body of believers. And so there is no, and I will be in the midst when they come together. Because you never come together. You come to services, but that's not the same. Come together in agreement with people who know you, who you're walking it out, who you're mad at this week and you forgive next week. Come on, somebody. The people that are closest to me in this room, we don't make decisions for this church without agreement. And they have all made me so mad that I wanted to go somewhere else. And I made them all so mad that they visited other churches but came back. Thank you, Jesus. They didn't tell me. And I'm talking about our staff. I don't know what you are talking Seriously, that's called doing life together. It's just a part of it. Are you there? Say yes. Well, old Thibodeau, he wanted to do something special for Boudreaux because it was his birthday. But man, he couldn't think of nothing to do. And all of a sudden, he grabs the phone and he calls over to the local Bayou police station. He said, I want to report some problem with my neighbor. He said, okay, what is it? He said, my neighbor is doing drugs and he's selling drugs. He says, Mr. Thibodeau, are you sure about that? Yes, I'm convinced. I know where he's hiding them all, too, so that he can, so that he can sell them. Where's he hiding? He's hiding them inside of the wood. Hiding them inside. That's right. All the wood in his shed, all the wood on the wood pile, he's hiding them down in there. Okay, Mr. Thibodeau, thank you so much. We'll look into it. Boy, what, five minutes later, Thibodeau's watching out the window. Here comes the entire Bayou Police Department. They all show up. They jump out. They got chainsaws. They got, they got uh, axes and things like that. And they knock on the door. And all of a sudden, he, they pull Boudreaux out. And he can tell they're fussing at him and stuff. And next thing you know, they start pulling out all the logs. And they start splitting those logs. Nothing. Splitting those logs. Splitting them. Nothing. 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 45 minutes to an hour. Ten police officers split every piece of log looking for those drugs hidden down in those logs. Finally, they said something to him, and they got in their cars, and they drove off. So Thibodeau called over to him. He said, Boudreaux, the police just came to your house? He said, they come to my house. He said, did they drag you out in the yard? They dragged me right out in the yard. Boudreaux, what did they do? He said, man, they went to all my wood, and they split every log that I had at this whole house. He said, happy birthday. (laughs) Come on, somebody. That's the kind of friend we need, right? You need to do life with some people that knows that what you've been needing is the police to come split your wood. (laughs) There's a sermon in every Boudreaux joke, let me just tell you. (laughs) Number three, you need to determine, number three, you need to determine to serve with others. Jesus came, the Bible says, the Son of Man did not come to the earth to be served, but to serve. So here's, so get this, God comes to earth. He does not lecture. He does not create a lecturing environment. He does not lord over. He comes and he serves. He serves. In the midst of serving, he serves not by himself, but alongside of others that he's recruited to serve with him. And he changes the world. The the supernatural relationships that you need, I have found that most of the time they happen when I'm serving in an area. And I look up, like Casey said, and these people have started serving with her and they're doing the cafe. And now she's got friends that she never thought she would have. And they're doing life together. They're praying together. They're crying together. They know about each other's families and children's and jobs. And all because they're serving in a cafe on Sunday morning once a month. Can you believe that? They have agreement, togetherness, because they've just started connecting with people. They served. You need to determine that you're going to serve and be like Jesus in that. Let's go to the last and final point, and we're going to move quickly. 
and get you up out of her. Number four, you need to step out of your comfort zone and connect. You need to. So, well, I'm already involved in this, and I got a ministry here and a ministry there. I know, that's awesome, and I'm so proud of you. But you need to be connected into the local body of believers. You need agreement. You need supernatural things happening. And when the togetherness comes together, then the agreement. Then I can say, hey, brother, I love you, but let me tell you something. What you really need is this, bro. You're like, I know, I know. Well, let's come into agreement over it and see God do move heaven and earth to fix it for us. Come on, I know you. You don't want to be this guy. Come on, we've been hanging out. We went to the football game together. I, this, let me tell you what I've learned. I, there's so many things in life I enjoy. And I used to try to figure out, okay, am I going to do this or am I going to do that? And I learned a great secret. You ready? I don't choose if I'm going to do this or that. I bring you with me in the thing I want to do. You say, I love the Dallas Cowboys. Bring me with you to a game. We'll have a blast. And we can connect. And we can have agreement. We'll agree that they'll win one. I mean, come on. If I'm there and you're there, he'll be there in our midst. That's been the problem. We haven't had agreement. Because <laughs> we haven't been together on this thing. And Tony Romo is done. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm a, I'm, I know, I know. Don't hit me with nothing. So today, to close out, I want to pray for you. But as we go to close out, as I mentioned in the video, all around this room are some of our CSTs, our celebration service teams. thinking about Mr. Daniel who passed away last week. Brokenness of my heart for Miss Anna and her kids to lose their dad, their husband. But Daniel was a cool dude. He's a big Hispanic guy. He's been, he got a lot of life under his belt. He'd been at another church before they came here. And he never really served at the other church and he told me this. He had a terrible car accident years earlier that brought him back to Christ. I'll never forget talking to him about it. He came to this church, and he and Anna signed up for the welcome team. He said, I ain't never done nothing like that, Pastor, but you asked, and so I'm going to do it. When he passed away in that car accident, the first people to call and tell me all about it were his friends from the welcome team. That's who was praying for him. He had some friends been pastored by Brother Frank and Gloria for years. They got all up in it, it but it, it's because they did life together. They knew him. His miracles were happening in the midst of pain. He wasn't some person that we didn't know. We saw it on the news and, and by the way, they attended Church on the Hill every now and then. He had relationship. They have support. It started with him just getting on the welcome team and just kind of meeting people. And so we've got these little CSTs. You see the cafe team, the communications team. Maybe there's a gifting that you have. Maybe you like telling people what to do. Get on the guest service team. It's awesome. Maybe you like bossing kids around. Kids ministry is calling you. Maybe you have seven kids. Kids ministry is not calling you. (laughs) You're dumping them suckers and going. I know what you're doing. (laughs) You're like, hey, uh, look, look, can I get there early? <laughs> can I stay late? <laughs> How long will y'all watch him? Because I'm going to do some shopping. But the Lord has ways of connecting you and giving you some good friends to have togetherness. I want you to bow your heads with me across the room.
Make a decision right now to connect with this church or not. Make your decision right where you sit. I'm asking you to. For the sake of your family, for the sake of us. You say, well, well, I got this and I got that. I know that. You keep doing that. Stop talking about all the things you can't do. That's why I had Miss Casey Coker give her testimony. She told me what she couldn't do for five years. And became one of the loneliest per- persons I'd ever known. And then when she finally woke up one day and said, enough's enough. I want you to say enough's enough, and I want you to make a decision. You're going to connect with people in this church. That may start with a CST. That may start with just grabbing somebody you're sitting close to and going to lunch. I don't know. But make a decision. I want you to get past the fear of broken relationships from the past. I want you to get past the fact that somebody mishandled you and mistreated you in times before. I can't tell you that you won't have bad situations. That's, that's relationships. I can't tell you there won't be conflict and misunderstandings. That's called life. But I can promise you, if you'll come together, then you can have agreement, and agreement will bring supernatural miracles for you. Who do you have in your life that's with you, that cares that you did or didn't show up at church this week, that cares whether or not your kids are going through something. Who do you have in your life? Where are you serving alongside somebody, rubbing elbows, getting to know each other, to where maybe the things that you've been through can help them a little bit? Where is that at in your life? I want to give you opportunity today. Father, I pray for every man and woman in this room who started during the holidays saying little prayers like, Lord, I'm lonely. I don't feel loved. Lord, I want to start with that group of people in this room, Lord God. Lord, those, oh God, who just didn't know. They, they didn't know that it was because they had no togetherness. They, they had no agreement with anybody particular. They had no real friends. They had no real relationships. They know people. They got a lot of people following them on Facebook, but they don't have real friends. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name, they'd have a revelation. This message is for them. This is their moment. Start becoming the relational them that you had vision for them. Let them see it. Let them see them laughing. Let them see them having fun with friends. Let them see them serving on Sundays here or there, coming early and helping somebody else and that becoming a friendship. Let them see it in the spirit right now, what you're showing them. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed, some of you are in this room today and you'd say, Pastor, let me be honest. I'm away from God. I don't know Jesus as my Lord and Savior anymore. Maybe you've never known him as that. In fact, I'm scared today that that if I died, I wouldn't go to heaven. I don't feel like I know him. I I don't have a relationship with him. But pastor, please pray for me. I want to come back to the Lord. With no one looking around, if that's you, I want to pray with you. I won't embarrass you. I won't humiliate you. But man, please don't leave here in that state of, of affairs. Today is the day that God has anointed to be your day of change. A little message about relationships. God's trying to get you in a relationship with himself. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If that's you, say, Pastor, pray for me. It's time for me to be right with the Lord. I'm tired of living the way I'm living. It's time for me to make Jesus the Lord of my life. With no one looking around, if that's you, would you just be bold and courageous and lift your hand and say, that's me, Pastor. Pray for me. Thank you, sir, for your honesty. Thank you so much. God bless you. Come on, give you about five more seconds. God bless you. You Put your hand back down. I see that hand. Anybody else? Pray for me, Pastor. I'm away from God. I need to come home. I need to get right with the Lord. Thank you, sir. You can put your hand down. Anybody else? Pray for me. Thank you, sir, for your honesty. Thank you. Anybody else? Come on, quickly. Respond to the Lord. I don't want to 
have to pull on you too much. I just don't want you to miss out. Yes, sir, I see your hand. Boy, I tell you, you've been four or five great men already. Anybody else? Pray for me. Pastor, I'm ready. It's time. It's time for change. I need Jesus in my life. Amen. God bless you, sweetheart. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, those that lifted your hand, I want to lead you in a prayer, just a prayer of repentance. In fact, I'm asking every man and woman in this room to pray this prayer out loud. But those who lifted their hand, I want you to mean it. I want it to be a dedication prayer. I want it to be a prayer of sincerity. And say it like this. Say, Jesus. Come on, everybody out loud. Jesus, today I surrender my life, my desires, my wants. And I declare in front of everybody, Jesus is my Lord. I ask you to forgive me of all my sin, all my foolishness. I ask you to cleanse it and make it new. Today, I'm asking you, fill me with your Holy Spirit that I may learn how to serve you. I'm asking you now to write my name in your book of life because I'm yours. All the days of my life, I will serve you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Keep your head bowed for just a moment. Father, I pray for every man and woman who lifted their hand. I pray right now, supernaturally, they would feel and sense the love blanket of heaven come over them. That they would know, oh my God, I sense God right now telling me it's okay. Father, I pray right now they would know in their knower, not in their head, in their knower. And that part of you that surpasses all the mental capacities. But to know and their knower that you have forgiven them, that they are yours, that they are cleansed. And that, Lord God, that if they died today in a horrible, terrible situation were to happen, that they would stand in front of you and you would welcome them with your arms wrapped around them, holding them like a child. And you would whisper into their, I love you. And I'm so proud of you. And they would, with tears coming down, but, but, but I, I didn't really serve you. I just barely got right at the end. And he said, I know. Oh, heaven has been working for that moment and you responded thank you now forever we're together father i pray right now in jesus name that that understanding would drop into the hearts and minds of every man and woman in this room in jesus name in jesus name stand with me all across the room turn to that person next to you and say i want to be the relational me that god wants me to be turn to that person on the other side i want to be the relational me that god wants me to be now, I want you to do me, everybody look at me. I want you to do me a favor. I've, I've ended, like, not as early as I wanted. So hydrocoding <sighs> made me long-winded because I'm, I'm normally. But what I'd like you to do, these guys have worked real hard to set up their tables for a little presentation so you could see the little areas that they serve in to make these services great. I'd like you to go look at them. One tugs at your heart, I'd like you to sign up with them. Get a little bit of information. Come serve once or twice a month. And uh, so with that being said, God bless you. We'll see you next week. Go visit these tables, hang out with these guys, and start that relational you today.